0: So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Yeah, future. Progressive
1: Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. And what's up? What's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Thursday edition of the show, Thursday episode. We are, of course, brought to you by... Our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network here in Columbia. Check out Clint Mortgage Network.com slash Clint Hammond. Or you can just give him a call. Probably the easiest way to do it, 803-771-6933, or shoot them an email. That's chammond at network.com Clint and the fine folks at Mortgage Network are our primary presenting sponsor here on GC live now and never a better time to buy a house, never a better time to refinance. So uh, give my buddy Clint a call and I, I promise he can uh, walk you through all the steps, whether you are a newbie first time home buyer, or a seasoned, uh, you know, home investor, he'll, he'll get you fixed up. So certainly appreciate Clint, Chris, uh, you know, we, we've sort of been on this Monday, Wednesday, Friday train. We did not have a show yesterday. Uh, I sort of um, strangled you into doing a show today because I was like, "We we've got to get on here and talk." Because, dang gum, man, we we got it. There's been a lot that has happened. There wasn't much to talk about Monday. Well, then in the last couple of days, we've caught up. We thought this thing was over. We thought the staff was together. Uh, you know, you, you're always. I mean, I mean, this is college football, right? You're always one you're always a couple of hours away from potentially having to fill, uh, you know, a staff spot at any given time. But we kind of thought things could settle down. Um, then news breaks yesterday, Des Kitchens to the Atlanta Falcons. It is confirmed today by the Falcons. It is made official by the Falcons today. Uh, so, so that's happening. And, you know, man, I, I would say – no, nothing short of a of a big loss for South Carolina. That's not to say they they can't fill the spot, that they can't you know get somebody else that, that's really good as well. But um, you know we we try not to sugarcoat it either. That that's a loss for South Carolina. And um, you know I, I would say, Chris, a situation where as as happy as you know I think Des Kitchens was to get the South Carolina job and to be in the SEC and to get back home. This was something where we had heard rumblings before about some other possible job openings and him that never quite maybe made it to the point of us, you know, certainly mentioning it publicly or, or anything like that. Then, you know, of course, he gets the raise during the, the sort of second round of of um, second or third round, I guess, of, of updates to assistant contracts and. It's sort of settled in, but then he interviews with the Falcons this week, takes that job, and may, maybe just the situation there, man, where it was just too too good of a spot to to turn down.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I, I think there's a, there's a clear line to draw here on it, um, because I, I I know some people are saying I even see one in the in the comments there about Beamer saying that there's a group of coaches that want to be here, so. Different situations sometimes, and this has happened at South Carolina in the past, and it's happened at other schools, and, and shoot, it's happened at other schools this year, where you see guys just trying to get out of somewhere. What, whatever their situation is at the current school, they're trying to get out. Um, they want to find another job. Not the case with Des Kitchens here, right, because, you know, Des Kitchens was not searching for some sort of out from South Carolina. Um, the Falcons job came about. It's an NFL job. NFL jobs are getting increasingly appealing if it's the right type of situation for college coaches, because not only do you take recruiting out, but now with recruiting, there's the transfer portal. Uh, there's the name image likeness stuff that's coming down. Um, it's, it's really gotten complicated and getting more complicated. And so if this was just, some random college offering Des Kitchings a job. Even I was even told specifically that it couldn't have been just any NFL job that would have lured him away from South Carolina had to be the right situation. So with the Falcons, obviously it's still, you know, in the Southeast for Des Kitchings, Um, it's the NFL, the highest level of football and to Arthur Smith, the new head coach for the Falcons, Des Kitchings apparently has some connections. So um, it's not a deal where, Des Kitchings was going to jump on the first offer that came his way. Um, It just, it came together, I think quickly from what we understand, Wes. And it was, it was, I think it was just like you said, it was a situation that was hard to turn down, you know, for a guy like him.
1: And, you know, there are some other connections there, man. I I was looking today, um, Dwayne Ledford, who I believe was at Louisville, for the last couple of years as their OC is now the Falcons O-line coach. And if you go back, Ledford was at NC state from 2016 to 2018, obviously a, uh, an overlap there with Des who was at NC state for like eight years um, as running backs coach. And then also had some other roles, some other titles involved at, at various times there as well. So, Just lots of – the fact that Southeast, as you said, NFL job, uh, but multiple connections there and people that he trusts, Um, you know, it it is hard. I mean, let's all put ourselves in in that situation. Uh, Sometimes you get made an offer that's just too good, you know, or, or too good of a situation even to turn down. So I believe that's the case here. Now, it does hurt South Carolina in that this was someone, Chris, that wasn't just um, – I would say not just a running backs coach. Uh, he he was involved with with other guys uh, as far as recruits go, other positions, probably more so than even is kind of like required of you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, Chris, I, I would even say it, it is someone who – Kind of try to go above and beyond to to help out um, with relationships because Des is a guy who just knows a lot of people. This is he's a very good networker, knows a lot of coaches, knows a lot of coaches who have you know prospects that are being recruited by South Carolina. So it's important now for Shane Beamer to go out. I, I think the running back spot. If you if you look at how you structure a modern day coaching staff. The running back coaching spot, man. Th- this has got to be a recruiter. This has got to be a guy, not just who can, I-, I would say, connect with with the current running backs. There's, there's a you know some really good ones on campus right now, but has to be able to go out and recruit well, not just for that position, but for his territory, and can be like one of the primary top recruiters on this staff.
0: Yeah, and, and Des did a great job of holding, you know, helping to hold things together in the transition. You got to remember, I mean, there was a period where Shane Beamer was the, you know, obviously the head coach during the transition. And then you had some recruiting office people. And then you had a few coaches in that building. And so Des did a tremendous job of, of holding things together. And he's a talented coach. When you look at his track record, he's a talented evaluator, he's a talented recruiter. And so. Um, those are traits that you're going to have to try to replace. And, and I think that's the key here, Wes. You can say that Des Kitchens is a big loss for South Carolina it, because it is. I mean, we, we both are on the same page about that. But you can also say Shane Beamer can go out and still make a quality hire. I mean, it, the situation is what it is. Des Kitchens <laughs> isn't on staff, so now where do you go? And so I think whether it's in recruiting in terms of talent, to bring onto your team or it's your coaching staff or your support staff. There's always a lot of focus on which guys don't come, right? Which guys are you not getting? Which guys leave? The key to it all really is because the show goes on is who you get. So in recruiting, for instance, you know, people are talking about Gunnar Stockton committing to, to Georgia just now. Gunner Stockton is not in South Carolina's 22 two class anymore. So that's a bummer for Gamecock fans. That's a bummer for the staff. The key here is which quarterback do they go get in the 2022 class? That's the important thing. They need to make it a good one. So, you know, anytime we've seen situations in college football, we've seen situations at South Carolina where, you know, sometimes you lose coaches and it's important to replace those coaches with quality hires. If you don't, your program may slip. And so uh, that's what it's been all about here for South Carolina, navigating all these different changes for Shane Beamer, whether it's guys that you know new hires that he had on board at the beginning or guys that he kept that ended up going to diff- other situations you've got to then just go out and hire good coaches um, you know Auburn hired Tracy rocker away from South Carolina and then apparently what he he left you know before basically before he even got there so they have to go hire a good new coach now so um, yeah it's definitely I mean in terms of just going back to des big loss. But got to go out and make a good hire because that's an important hire for South Carolina, and I think it's going to be a job that will have some attractiveness for sure.
1: Well, and all right. So I know everybody's asking, everybody wants to know what's what's the latest on um, the opening right now. And I do one thing I like about this podcast slash live show is you know essentially that it gives us a platform, Chris, to go a little bit more behind the scenes on exactly how, how we have to operate, how trying to follow this search um, or searches as has been the case. I mean, we've had what man, we've had a head coaching search. We've now had multiple, we've had assistant coaching searches for the same spot multiple times in some cases now. And uh, a recruiting not recruiting coordinator but director for player personnel guy search and now we have another we have a running backs coach search and yeah. so some sometimes there are cases where it just moves so fast that there is just someone that the coach in this case Shane Beamer already just has in mind and, and maybe there's even like a backdoor deal or or like a unofficial conversation if you will where it's like hey man if if i if this spot ever opens I'm, you're my first call and there's maybe sort of like a little well hey man i'd i'd love to have that spot if it does open sometimes that happens and sometimes it's very fast other times you know when when something like this happens most of the time there is this influx of information where we're trying to find out Is it that the head coach is interested in this person or is it just that this person is interested in that job? So in the coaching community, you have a lot of, you know, oh, hey, this guy would be great for that spot. And then there's a little bit of buzz generated, right? But is that person actually on the head coach's list? That is the hardest question I feel like to answer. And what we've we found that, that Beamer tends to, unless the information is coming from the other end and it happens to also be that Beamer is interested, Beamer tends to operate pretty quietly on, on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, that's sort of where we are right now um, or where we were yesterday. You start trying to gather information, find out who is potentially in the mix. Now, when we throw out early names, a lot of times, unless it's one of these just quick hires, it is a situation where we maybe don't know. Is is it just that the coach is interested in that opening? Is it that it's mutual? Or is it that um, in some cases it may be Beamer's trying to hire a guy away from a school, and maybe that coach maybe isn't interested. So there's all these different sides to this thing, Chris, and – um. There have been some names that have floated out there already, but I would also, uh, you know, to be completely open and honest and transparent, I, I don't know yet if we know who's the guy that has that, like, all sides where it just fits interest yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so some people even in the comments here talking about Georgia Southern running back coach Chris Foster, and certainly there's some ties there. Um I don't know that things are advanced. There is he someone that could be in the mix. I think certainly could be in the mix, and there's some staff ties there as well. Um, he, he, you know, Des Kitchings obviously really respected in that building, including by Shane Beamer, and um, I've I've heard some some chatter within the industry that Des Kitchings, you know, thinks highly of Chris Foster, although they have not worked together. There's some there's some ties there and some familiarity there. Chris Foster from the state of South Carolina you know, born and, and I think raised in the state as well. And um, also knows a couple of the current coaches on South Carolina staff. He worked with defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsey at Georgia Southern in, I think, 2016. And he also worked with Justin Stepp at Appalachian State for three seasons from 2012 to 2014. So there is some familiarity. In a lot of ways, Chris Foster, you know, checks off, you know, a lot of the boxes and just being a strong developer. You, you go back and look at everywhere that he's been so far – really good track record um, and also really good, you know, recruiter regarded as a really good recruiter and a really good guy. And so he, he has some similarities, I think, uh, to Des Kitchens in that regard. So um, obviously we're, we're going to be tracking some other names. You know, that's just one early. Jay Graham was uh, going to Alabama. That was one that we knew when Shane Beamer was, was probably going to be the hire at South Carolina. Des Kitchens and Jay Graham were a couple guys at the running back position that we were really we were really tracking there and two more names that i saw come up in the comments I mean, people are going to ask about marcus Lattimore, west i don't think we're on the same page we're not sure at this point just to level with everybody if that may come up i mean there's it makes some sense obviously but we don't know yet uh, a lot of people are talking about bobby bentley don't see that happening um I, I don't i don't think bobby bentley's returning to south carolina in that capacity and uh gonna have a job he's actually got a have a job lined up from, from my understanding as well. So. Yeah. And I, here, I, I don't,
1: I don't get the talk. I mean, I've, I've seen Bentley's name pop up and I mean you, you literally, you you can't basically let a coach go essentially when you get hired and then turn around and be like, Oh, Hey, by the way, now we want you. Like that That's an awkward conversation, I, I feel like. Um, you can't just turn around and, and hire Bentley. If you had retained Bentley, you know that's one thing. But you can't be like, hey, we're going in another direction. And then, oh, hey, no, just kidding. It didn't work <laughs> out. It's like if you break up with your girlfriend and it doesn't work out with your new girlfriend and then you go back. And are like, hey, I'm just kidding. Come, you know, I want to hang out now. Right. I, I don't see how that. I don't see how that's. These are people. Like these are human beings. They aren't just names. I don't. I don't see how anybody. Bobby Bentley's not going to be like, oh yeah, sounds great. I'm. You know, I'm going to rush back to Columbia now. Um, that's just not how it works. So, I see some people asking about EJ Barthel. Uh, that's another one of those, one of the other categories here, Chris would be sometimes you just start to connect the dots, right? And you say who, who makes sense. And, you know, he's someone, he is currently, I've written down a lot of these guys. He's currently the Panthers um, offensive assistant O-line and running backs coach. So someone obviously that has been there with, with Matt rule has been there with Marcus Satterfield and would, would maybe, sort of be uh, at least want to keep an eye on just putting the pieces together. Not necessarily that we've heard that as far as information goes, but um, just makes sense. You look at a name we've seen thrown around, Jimmy Smith from Arkansas. Uh, he, he's someone that's from South Carolina, I think from Darlington, South Carolina, um, I believe would have some interest in the job if if South Carolina pursues it. I didn't get the impression as of yesterday that it had progressed much there as far as there being something, much like you said, you know, with Chris Foster. It's a name to watch, but not really under the impression that it's inevitable, um, you know, with either of those guys. And maybe, you know, maybe there's a guy that's out there that it's already sort of trending that direction, or, or maybe there's not. Maybe it just hasn't gotten to that point yet. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. We're we're trying to doing some digging on it throughout the day, last night, throughout this morning. Haven't uncovered anything that substantial quite yet, aside from some guys being in the mix. And like you said, man, it, it could it could very well be that behind the scenes, uh, things have moved a lot more quickly than we've caught up to. And uh, if that's the case, then we'll we'll eventually catch up to it. it. It's it really has been fascinating covering all these different angles, whether the head coaching search, the different assistant coach departures and arrivals they've all sort of been a little bit different you know and, and i feel like just again leveling with people we've been able to various degrees be on top or a little bit less on top you know depending on how each of those have gone but um we'll, we'll continue sorting through it working through it heck who knows man maybe by the end of the show we got a little bit more we'll just have to see
1: could be uh, shout out to jeffrey hicklin appreciate the five spot there buddy glad you made it in um Pretty real chance, y'all, that these the shows are going to be a little bit earlier in the day um, you know, from now on. So I'd be on the lookout more around this noon time slot. I, I think that's probably more along the lines of what we'll be looking at moving forward. Obviously, you can always watch it later on, but you just miss the interactive aspect of things if, if you're watching it later on. So um, any anything more you have on – on this part, Chris, on, on the running backs coach deal or, um, or thoughts on, on just that, that opening in general, or, or is that pretty much it on that?
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it on that, you know, going to continue to dig in on these candidates or, or maybe some others, Wes, you and I have talked about sort of off air trying to dig in on whether or not they, uh, some of these guys can be in the mix and hopefully we'll get some clarity on that soon. You would anticipate that it will move pretty quickly, right? That, um, that Shane Beamer, given where the team is, you know, um, in, in the midst of winter workouts, but meetings and um, recruiting and all those different types of things going on, you would anticipate they don't move quickly, um, but but not be in so much of a rush as to as to rush to hire.
1: Which it has been the mo, you know, for yeah. for Beamer is that he's he's not going to rush things.
0: Yep,
1: um, he's going to go try to get his guy. And and then, you know, go from there, which for better or for worse, that, that is how he is going to do things. And, you know, I, I mean, I think you do at least respect that he has a um, approach and that he's going to stick to that and uh, and go from there. So, all right, Chris, as I put in the headline for today's show, we're a little bit. I don't want to say late on this, but we're we just haven't with our timing. Um, we, we could have talked about it a little bit earlier, but. Uh, We have not had a show since the St. Francis duo, which, golly, man, that's the – it's interesting. That's the most maybe we've had – the most interest we've maybe had from people on this show in a particular recruit or two. I feel like in a while we were getting, hey, what's up with the St. Francis duo? What's up with the St. Francis duo? Over and over and over again. Right. So then you get your answer earlier this week. Both guys commit to South Carolina. Jason Brown commits, and then shortly after that, E.J. Jenkins announced his commitment as well. Um, Talk about the most um, just known commitment ever. Once Jason Brown committed first, it was a foregone conclusion that E.J. Jenkins was going to announce his pledge as well. But something where I I think, Chris, um, we knew – there were positions that South Carolina needed to add help at. And quarterback, when, when this offseason first started, quarterback probably was not on the list. I remember um, you know, us talking about that. Then you lose Ryan Helensky and you lose Colin Hill, and then very quickly quarterback becomes a spot where you had to look at bringing in either a JUCO guy or a transfer. So they bring in the transfer, Jason Brown. We're going to EJ Jenkins here in a second. But um, for for those who are watching as opposed to listening, I'm going to pull up a clip here in a second of Jason Brown. But, Chris, your, your thoughts on um, the commitment of Jason Brown earlier this week?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, Jason Brown's a, a really interesting player because – There's a lot of just natural arm talent. You know, he's sort of, um, to me, Wes, he's sort of, you know, is he a little raw? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, And I I don't put as much stock into, like, when I watch a quarterback, I'm not going to be as concerned about, well, what's his arm angle look like? Because now it it is really in vogue and really seen as a great trait if you can make those off-platform throws. And, you you know, you see Patrick Mahomes out here throwing – Sidearm, arm underhand behind his back whatever it may be all these different types of throws so jason brown a little bit more like unorthodox in terms of delivery but he makes some throws on tape where you go you know wow that's a that's a really impressive throw so um i think you nailed it west when you said that you know you can't the bottom line is you can't carry two scholarship quarterbacks one of which is a true freshman with zero experience, the other which is going to be, you know, a second year player with very limited experience in Luke Doty onto the roster. You just can't as a coaching staff feel great about that. So bring in another guy who has some experience at the college level, who has some arm talent and some ability, you know, to come in and compete and see what happens and at the bare minimum, you know, add some depth to that room as a scholarship player. So I think, you know, just looking over the film at Jason Brown, there's definitely some things to like there.
1: Well, I think, Chris, my question is, you know, we're we're all always trying to, at least I consider it kind of part of our job, we're trying to set expectations. And, um, you know, there, there's always, I believe, going to be a little bit higher expectation for a guy coming in uh, most of the time than it is maybe, you know, than it's maybe fair. I mean, you look at like, you look at Jalen Brooks coming in and, you know, and I readily admit, I, you know, I was hyping up, the, you know, that acquisition and the fact that he was going to come in and be a guy who could help. And then what happens the, the very first practice, his teammates, you know, his DBs are talking him up. Um, and there's still time for Jalen Brooks, don't get me wrong. I think when Jalen Brooks settles, settles in this year and has a full offseason, he's going to help this football team. Now, to what level? You know, we'll see. Here's the thing I struggle with. There, there's a lot of excitement about these kids. There's a lot of natural talent here, as you can see. There's obviously going to be a jump up for SEC ball. We know that. What let's just let's not lump them together. Let's they're they're separate people, separate positions, separate prospects. What are fair expectations for Jason Brown coming in? You know, I, I think at at the very least yes he's going to compete for um the job at quarterback you look at it and you know that there's a there's a ton of ceiling to go here right like big arm big kid athleticism the down the other side of that which you can make a case for is, is also you know it's going to be a huge jump to SEC play yeah so where are you at on Fair expectations coming in for this kid.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just what you said. I think that the baseline sort of expectation needs to be, and, and I'm not saying this is the ceiling, right? I, I agree with you. They're, they're, the ceiling is higher than this, but the baseline just needs to be come in, compete. You know, be a guy that can add depth. Be a guy that who, let's say, he doesn't win the starting job, because I, I can't sit here and say. Like, do I think Luke Doty probably has the best chance right now of being the starter? Yes. But I don't know. I mean, they haven't gone through spring ball at all. I mean, there's just so many questions to answer. So let's say if Jason Brown does not end up being the starter, I think it's a fair expectation that if he needs to come in, that he can come in and give some quality snaps and maybe and, and play well. I don't think uh, the expectation needs to be that he comes in day one, wins the job from the first snap in spring practice, and ends up being a star, like that doesn't need to be the expectation. I think, um, you know, tempering that a little bit be, and, and one reason being because of that jump in competition, you know, like you see Brown on film and some of the plays that he makes at this level are, you know, that we're watching on film are going to be a lot more difficult, you know, in the SEC, the windows are so much more tight, et cetera. Now, in theory, he'll still have – not in theory, in reality, still have DJ Jenkins 6'8 to throw to, which can help with some of those tight windows. But I, I think that's the fair expectation, man, is for him to add some depth, um, you know, and, and to come in and compete and be a guy that Mike can come in and help you play.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, let, let's just go ahead and cliche it up, man. Um, he can make all the throws, you know. Like, you, you see that, and it's, it's very obvious – the ball is coming out. It's coming out fast. Um, he told me, I guess that was two days ago. He told me he can throw a ball seventy-five yards in the air. Um, so the, the physical stuff. Let's say it like this: physically, he will transition to the SEC level. You don't. You're. I don't. I'm not worried about that part. Um, all you, you're really worried about the sp- and this is with anybody the speed of the game. Tighter windows, right? Your You know, your guys aren't as open. Sometimes you have to throw them open against some DBs. And it, it's obviously not the same as the NFL, where literally it's like nobody's open and you have to just throw in these super tiny windows. There are going to be open players at, at times in the college level, especially with the way offenses are now. But are there smaller windows? Is that pass rush getting to you a little bit quicker? Are those defensive ends? That's That may be the biggest difference for him, man. It's going to be the pass rushers. When he's trying to maneuver around in the backfield and try to extend plays, the pass rushers at this level get on you much quicker. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, fr- freshman quarterbacks—they obviously they got to make the jump from high school ball to this. So everybody has to make the jump. I I do think as a as a college football society <laughs> or a football watching society we do sometimes get a little too caught up in the physical traits for quarterbacks. That's not the most important thing for a quarterback. The most important things for a quarterback will be processing the information, will be accuracy, will be leadership ability in the huddle. The fact you can throw a ball far, to me, is pretty far down the list. But um, you you do, I, I think you're already seeing just our little bit of time we've sort of heard from Jason Brown. And getting to know him a little bit, there there are some really nice intangibles here. There are some leadership qualities. Good kid. Sounds like a worker. All those things play in for me at least when I'm evaluating a quarterback prospect.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and we've seen there there have been quarterbacks one of the hardest positions to evaluate. I, I can't can't even count how many guys that, you know, we've even personally seen in camp over the years or Watch film on, and they just have this unbelievable arm, the size. I mean, they already look like an NFL guy, you know, as a senior in high school. Uh, but there's just some other things that just aren't there. And you see guys that maybe don't have as big arm talent, you know, go on and succeed. You know, Connor Shaw is the best quarterback in South Carolina history. He, I mean, where would he rank on the arm strength, arm talent scale, Wes? I mean, he would be lower for sure. Um, but he had a lot of other qualities that just made him a great football player. Now that's not to doubt. If you've got a lead arm strength, you'd much rather have that than not. Um, but but a lot of the other things are very very important. Um, you know when you're evaluating quarterback prospects, it's important to have those things.
1: No doubt. All right, let's go into EJ Jenkins. First things first, six foot eight. Um, that I mean, that's the first thing anybody's gonna mention or notice ab- about the kid. I, this is my first time actually completely going through his entire film I've, I've glanced at it I've looked at it um reportedly supposedly his you know the word on the street is he he's been timed as a four5 in the 40yard dash he's up to about 235 240 pounds the the real question here Chris at least for me is just going to be that does he separate against you know, SEC defensive backs. And that's not to say that he will not. Um, That's just the – that's generally with these bigger receivers, and he's one of the biggest, you know, that we've seen. Can they create separation against SEC defensive backs? And then if they struggle with that, can they otherwise maneuver their body well enough to where they're going to make a play even if they're not – quote-unquote, open, sort of, you know, Alshon Jeffrey was so thick, was so good at going up and getting the football, had such good ball skills that he was open even when he was not open. Yeah, right. Can, right. Can E.J. Jenkins be that for South Carolina? So I, I don't know. I, I'll ask you the same way. First of all, what's your what's your avowal of E.J. Jenkins, and what are your
0: expectations? Well, I mean, this, this kid on film, I mean, really jumps out. And so now – Fully bearing in mind that, again, I'll go back to this, the transition SEC competition, these DBs with the length and the skill, the speed that they have, it's going to be more difficult for Jenkins than what you see here. But that said, what you want to see with somebody of his size and athleticism at the receiver position at the level of competition he's playing on film is dominance. And, I mean, he's a man among boys at this level, you know, with his size – He's not a big plotting receiver. He can actually run. But even more than that, he just uses his height, his length, his ball skills just to dominate guys. And, and he wins a ton of one-on-one battles. So that is, that's what you look for on film. You do consider the competition level, but if he was out here struggling to get open against this competition, or if he wasn't winning his one-on-one battles, then you would be concerned, but he certainly does that. So um, I think, you know, when you look at the upside of Jenkins, um, there's a lot there. You know, I, I'm I think he's one of the more intriguing guys on this entire roster going into the 2021 season for me.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this receiver battle plays out because you you all of a sudden you you obviously you lose Shy Smith. By the way, shout out to Shy Smith. He's he is the next in line of people who are former Gamecocks. They go to the Senior Bowl and just show out. that It seems to be like a yearly occurrence now. You had um, Javon Kinlaw last year. You had Debo Samuel the year before. That's just what happens. Somebody from South Carolina goes goes out there and is, is a stud. I did see a tweet. I think it's from Joe Person, former uh, sports reporter at the state. Now is covering the Panthers, saying maybe Shy's day is done. Um, hope that's not the case. But I, I think probably was able to raise his stock already. So point being, we know South Carolina's going to lose Shy Smith. We know that they're going to miss Shy Smith. You look at some of the additions, though, Amarian Brown coming in, he, he's someone I, I tend to think, honestly, among the transfers for, for myself, he might be the most sure thing that I just feel 100% confident that Amari Brown is going to make an impact on this team next year. Um, now you look at EJ Jenkins and he's the one where I'd say it like this, Chris, I'm not as positive that he is definitely going to make an impact, but so, so the floor is not quite as high, but the ceiling where if, if this guy comes in and it, and it just clicks, then there there's the potential there for, for this guy to be like South Carolina's leading receiver. Basically, so, you know, you, you have you have a lot of potential in this group. You have more potential to work with than, you know, maybe you have before you, you get Ortre Smith back. It appears you, um, you know, Jalen Brooks has another year. You look at the freshmen from this past year, you know, guys like Jakari Caldwell, Rico Powers, um, you know, there's I think there's just some true at least competition at this position now.
0: Yeah, there is. I think I think what they're missing is just, you know, who who's the guy? Who's the guy you can count on? Or you're not really sure about that. You know, last season, you know, we, we came into last year, A, knowing that receiver was going to be a big question mark and quite frankly could have been a struggle, which played out. But B, we, we at least knew that it's gonna be the Shy Smith show. Like he's gonna be the top guy. Can he step up and be more consistent. And and he was, I mean, he was really, really good last year. And a part of that was the amount of targets he did get, but he was, I mean, he was the only real receiving threat from that receiving core on a consistent basis, game to game. And they still, he still got the ball. He still made plays. He won one-on-ones. He did, he did a really good job and that's certainly projecting now to the, to the uh, NFL level, you know, at least in, in the lead up to the drive. So, That's the biggest thing that they're missing. And I think more than that, Wes, there's still questions about how good or any of these guys on this roster. Can can one or two of them emerge and, and prove to be, you know, SEC consistent players against the competition that South Carolina is going to face? And that's still a very legitimate question, you know. So I think you go into this season with maybe even more questions than we've seen at this position even in the last few years, you know, which is significant. But I think if if you do find a silver lining in it is that they do have some guys that have some talent, right, and for a variety of reasons it hasn't manifested itself or their new additions to the program, there are some guys, but they're going to have to find out who they are quickly and and get some production from them.
1: Well, and I think very important that you get some semblance of a full spring practice and some semblance of actually being able to get these guys together. And, and work out, you know, within this scheme, this new scheme that, that everybody's going to be learning. And they're once again learning a new scheme, which is never ideal, man. I, I, I do hate that for the kids and, you know, for, for the guys that have been here for a while on offense, you're having to just completely scrap what you were doing again, learn new terminology, all this stuff. So we'll see how how all that plays out. But, but plenty of time to talk about that all offseason. So – I'm sure we'll get tired of talking about receivers again, but I've never – at least I feel like going into last offseason, Chris, we can we could make pretty good predictions about what the depth chart might look like at receiver. Honestly, right now it would be very hard to put to try to project an actual depth chart because yeah. it's truly 100% going to depend on who takes advantage of this opportunity and just steps up and, and grabs it? Is, is it one of the returning freshmen? Is it a Jalen Brooks? Is it a healthy Ortre Smith? Is it a new newbie transfer? Is it a guy like Omega Blake you know, or Sam Reynolds? It, who, who just takes advantage of the opportunity and grabs it? Only time will tell that. So, all right, final couple of things here. Greg Adkins, it got lost in the shuffle, I think, with everything else going on. Officially announced – well, officially introduced. He's been announced as South Carolina's offensive line coach. That was Wednesday sort of morning into afternoon. Shane Beamer spoke. Greg Adkins spoke. I tell you, man, I like this guy. And he he kind of – he's got an old-school vibe to him. You know, he's been in the game a while. He's been at Georgia before. He's been at Tennessee before. He was at his alma mater most recently. Um, he's got an an old school coach vibe, but he also has some newer school tendencies in that he kept talking about the relationships with the guys, about treating the guys like their family, about loving his players, stuff like that. So to me, it was old school as far as how you're going to try to develop a guy and, and Technique and experience and stuff like that, but it wasn't so much into the well. We just have to be a you know what and just ride ride these kids to death and be so hard on them that they hate their coach, but they respect their coach. You know, it was very new school as far as that approach. So I I didn't, you know, I frankly i I was sort of just neutral on the hire at first. As I was learning more information after listening to Adkins talk yesterday the more information we've learned about what he did at Marshall, the experience, um, I, I actually I think this, this is a good fit for South Carolina.
0: I, yeah, I, I do think it's a good fit. And, you know, uh, some of the things – he's worked with Luke Day a lot um, at Marshall. Obviously, strength coach at South Carolina, they had some carryover. My understanding is those two you know, got pretty close at Marshall. And uh, Greg Adkins actually said something in his press conference. And I I was like, that phrase sounds familiar. I couldn't figure out where it was from. It was something that Luke Day said in his press conference. It was was basically the line about football being a game where you're trying to move somebody where they they don't want to go. And that's what it comes down to. So Adkins said that. Um, It was also said in Luke Day's press conference. And, you know, this is a guy, it's, it's long been the book on Greg Adkins that, you know, he Is a guy that's very much a player's coach. And and when I say that, that doesn't mean a a pushover or anything like that. It just means that he's a guy that players have a really, really good relationship with. You can tell that he's a people person, you know, him talking about his children during the press conference and um, just developing the the player. That's important to him. And really it fits the vibe West of sort of stylistically of what Shane Beamer wants out of his coaching staff. You know, very relationship driven a lot of talk about you know family and, and love and culture and things like that. I think some of these hires are, are really fitting into that mold. But beyond that, you know, Atkins has a, a good track record from a recruiting standpoint. He's got last year was his 30th year of experience, so very, very experienced. And Wes also, you know, has had some really good offensive lines. Like you look at his offensive lines at Marshall last season, it was one of the best in the country. Um, actually, PFF ranked it in terms of pass blocking efficiently. It was fourth in the country. It's better than you – know, different competition level, but that was better than Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. I mean, they, they had really good numbers there. He had uh, two of the top-rated run blockers in the country on his offensive line and another one that was top, top 20 in, in a different metric by PFF. So – Really good numbers, you know, throughout his career for, for Greg Atkins and stylistically I think fits with, with what they want.
1: You know, I thought it was interesting. Um, first of all, the um, the emotion he showed, you know, when, when talking about his kids and the um, sort of gratitude I think he has for for this opportunity to get to South Carolina – He said his jaw dropped or his chin dropped, I think was the way he said it when he saw this facility. A common theme we've seen with recruits, Chris, is also that they don't realize what South Carolina has until they actually see it in person for themselves and they see the facility. Um, That's been missing in the recruiting process now for almost a year uh, because the recruiting shut down, but that's another story for another day. But then – Chris sort of the, the approach and I'm, I'm trying to find it. So I give the four correct terms, you know, it, it's kind of like, and he may have mentioned it like this. I can't remember if he said this or where I got this from, but I, I do know that he was asked about his points of emphasis on coaching and offensive lineman, And it was an interesting answer because coaches do like to talk about details and attention to detail. And But it's also sort of with doing anything It's sort of like if you're trying to fix a golf swing or you're trying to switch, you know, fix a baseball swing, you can get so caught up in those details that you just completely paralyze yourself as far as being able to process what you're trying to do. Right? Well, that's the case with anything athletically when you're trying to make your body do something that it's not naturally doing Well, He sort of described it like, yes, you want attention to detail, but there are also four main points of emphasis. And then he said if he's evaluating a guy and he then asked a player to evaluate his own film and he says, well, did you do this? Did you do this? It normally comes down to these four, what would you call them? Four tenets of, of, you know, of success for him maybe. And those are, as an offensive lineman, your get off. So how, how quickly you get off the line of scrimmage when the ball is snapped and that you do it with the proper timing to the rest of your, you know, to your four teammates, your strike, which is your physical, like using your hands, actually firing off your hips and striking your opponent, your body position, which is the actual angle that you're striking them from. And then your finish, which is obviously how you finish the block. You don't just block them and, uh, and sort of let them go, which is, is, you know, kind of difficult to do because defensive linemen are trying to break three, you know, break free from your block. But it was interesting to hear a veteran coach also sort of acknowledge, like, yes, the details are important, but I took that as, like, we don't want to lose sight of the forest because, you know, we're so focused on the trees type thing. Like, you, if, if you do these four things – sometimes you may you may get there a little differently than somebody else but clearly his guys have probably been pretty good at doing these four things with as successful as his lines have been you know at at Marshall
0: right yeah I mean at the end of the day and someone asked in Facebook comments Patrick Bowen how how is Greg Atkins as a developer I mean yeah he's coached tons of NFL guys and multiple stops and Some of his guys at Marshall from from last season are probably going to have that opportunity. But you just look at, um, you know, the way that they developed during their careers, what they were last season, a pretty successful offensive season for Marshall, pretty successful season overall. It's typically been a very good program as it was under Doc Holliday, you know, again, running through those numbers. I mean, really good pass blocking numbers last year. Wes, I actually texted you this earlier of I was going to say, you need to share this. <laughs> yeah, so one of his offensive linemen, I think it was there two that were really, really good, and I think it was Kane Madden. Um, might have been Alex Millette, but I think it was Kane Madden. I mean, according to PFF, did not give up a sack or even a, a pass rush pressure all year, and so that was obviously, I mean, really, really good. Now, don't – nobody get mad if South Carolina does not – you know, only gives up. They gave up twelve sacks in ten games, so um, that's a high bar. That probably won't happen in the SEC. Twelve sacks in a whole year, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he. You just look back at his track record over his coaching career, and he's been a part of some really good offenses, some really good offensive lines, a lot of different styles. You know that he's coached in,
1: and I, I think he's excited to be back in the SEC. Man, I, I know people sometimes people sort of. Say that's overplayed, but I, I've talked to enough coaches that have said, you know, once once you get to the SEC, you don't want to leave, and uh, unless you're maybe going to the NFL or something. So I think that's part of the sort of emotion you saw and the gratitude you saw for you know for him uh, accepting this job and then talking about it yesterday. But he, he's a football guy, man. I mean, you, you know, you you heard him. He said uh, he said basically you know, I I could talk about this for for hours and was talking about how excited. I mean, I can imagine those offensive guys just sitting down sort of putting together this scheme. You know, you talk about somebody, you know, you and I are very familiar with, you know, like Eric Kimry, just getting to throw ideas up on the board in there. Um, This is what these these football heads on the offensive side love to do. So um, I'm I'm sure there was some full-on, X's and O's, nerding out in the uh, offensive staff room. Um, it, it sounded like from uh, from what Beamer and and uh, Greg Atkins were both saying yesterday.
0: Nerding out, yeah, that's a good good way to put it. No, I mean he he definitely definitely football guy. You know, like you said, I- interesting mix of sort of old school and new school mentality with Atkins and a guy that I think players really really like, and I think is is going to be good for that for that offensive line group. I think they'll like Greg Atkinson and take to him well, but also a guy that has a good, you know, coaching reputation, but just a good fit, you know, with, with how Shane Beamer structured his staff, I believe.
1: Jackie asked if we liked the new schedule video. I thought that was awesome.
0: Um,
1: And the fact that they gave, you know, gave some of these wonderful folks who are on the front lines of COVID-19 some season tickets for free. I think that, uh, that, that was an awesome, awesome way to sort of reward those folks, but also, uh, you know, put, you know, maybe let everybody know a little bit about what those folks are doing as far as helping us all out and, and hopefully getting this vaccine spread far and wide so that we can have real sports seasons coming up with actual fans. Because, man, that, that's the other thing. Obviously, sports is not near the most important thing when it comes to the pandemic, but, it will be awesome to see an actual atmosphere in a game again, hopefully in the in not-too-distant future. And I think the, the path to that is through um, vaccination. So, all right, dude, final couple things. I guess um, we'll talk about the fact that – and we won't spend much time on it, but Gunnar Stockton does commit to Georgia. He made that official here during the show, or I think right when the show was starting. Not, I mean, may, maybe a huge, maybe a surprise to some that it was Georgia and not Auburn. Not a surprise, I, I think, to anyone. There there was maybe a sense or a hope that South Carolina would still be in it after he decommitted. But those who read Chad Simmons reporting, Chad Simmons, is as good as anybody on the planet at covering recruiting in his territories and has been all over the, the Gunnar Stockton deal. When he put out – when Chad put out his first article after Gunner had decommitted, I knew instantly. I was like, okay, Gunner Stockton's not going to go to South Carolina because the way Chad wrote it up, it completely sort of neglected South Carolina having any chance. Well, when Chad does that, there's a reason for it. So even if Gunner hasn't really been talking publicly, as I mean, honestly, as soon as Bobo left, it, this sort of – went out of South Carolina's favor completely yeah so I want I, to get some nice get for them Chris um, now as you said important for South Carolina to move forward and, and go find their guy for the class of 2022
0: yeah and I know everybody's wondering who that may be we don't know yet I mean um, obviously they, they've engaged to some 2022 targets some of that we've covered on the side on Gamecock central but in terms of being able to point to hey it's it's this guy Um that hasn't happened yet. It, it will at some point, and uh, here's another key factor, Wes. I mean, when does in-person recruiting re- reopen? We don't know that yet. The it looks like that could happen this summer, so maybe that means camps, maybe that means visits restart. And if and if so, I think we'll know a lot more then, because it's going to be critical for them to be able to, you know, identify a, a pool of guys which are already working on, and then sort of narrow that down. Quarterbacks like to commit early; they tend to commit early. Um, but it's just it's a little bit too early in the new staff transition to to know you know where this thing may go.
1: Yeah, and I, I got a feeling, Chris, maybe in the next couple of months though, it'll start to become pretty clear because as you said, it it, it is early. Like or or the the quarterbacks do go early; they go earlier than about any other position. Now, how much has that been affected? What, what's something else we know about quarterbacks? Coaches love to work with their quarterback their future quarterback in person, right? You know, they, they want to have them in camp. They want to see what they're like. They want to see what they're about. They want to see how they work with other people. Camp setting is generally how you do that. Or you go to their game, you go to their practice, you watch a full game, you sort of get a sense for those intangibles. You go hang out with their high school coach maybe, and get a sense for what type of kid that, you know, the guy is. All that has been taken away. So how how much does that does that maybe affect quarterbacks, maybe even more that, you know, than other positions, just because it's such a, an intangible oriented position. So I'll be curious to see. I imagine these coaches are having to just sort of roll the dice and, and offer kids anyway. But we'll see what happens. Are there some late bloomers that that pop up? Are there some kids that get dropped later on because they don't end up being as as good as Maybe they appeared to be on film. I think all those are factors. What really matters is, at the end of the day, is about uh, what eleven months from now, eleven or ten and a half months from now, that South Carolina signs a really nice quarterback prospect for the class of twenty twenty two. And as much as fans were upset when Gunnar Stockton decommitted, it actually is outstanding for South Carolina that it happened now you if you could have absolutely destroyed their chance at getting a top quarterback if South Carolina was sort of not really you know not really in it but gets drug along drug along drug along and then eight months from now Gunnar Stockton decommits and commits to Georgia then you're, you know, you have no chance. At least if it was going to happen, you wanted for it to go ahead and happen now, and then you move forward with some guys maybe that that Marcus Satterfield wants to go out and, and target for for that spot. So, all right, Chris, what um, what can these Gamecock fans expect on GamecockCentral.com the rest of the week? You think?
0: Well, obviously, the, the main thing is we're going to be continuing to track the running backs coach opening, and maybe that will finally actually finish off the staff. Uh, but we're going to continue tracking that. So, as soon as we have some news on that, um, any any news notes or whether a hire is made, we'll, we'll have that on gamecockcentral.com and just continue tracking all that. And obviously, you know, next week, Wes, uh, the late signing period on, on next Wednesday. And so there'll be some activity leading up to that. Only three spots left in this recruiting class now. So where do those spots go? What happens? We'll just have to see. So we'll continue tracking that.
1: Hey, is that next week? I mean, it is hard to believe because it's, no, I mean, it's good. snuck up on us. Not a lot of hype for the thing, but we'll yep. see if South Carolina adds a couple of guys late. We'll, of course, be on top of that on Gamecockcentral.com. Um That's going to do it for today's show. Shout out to the Gamecocks men's basketball team hammering Georgia yesterday that's like I don't know it feels like the hundredth time in a row that they've beaten Georgia in basketball so a shout out to them great game great bounce back from three straight losses Uh, shout out to the women who have Mississippi State later on today Uh, that's going to do it for Chris I'm Wes if you missed the show you can always go back and start from the beginning and uh, also we'll have the audio of the show up on all the major podcast platforms here shortly